0: Thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly.
1: All righty. Come on, get a little hand clap this morning. Oh, I got the lights on me. So I have the heavenly glow from my head. So, I want to thank you for having me this morning. Pastor Rich Brown from Abilene, Texas. My wife's not here. She's at home recuperating from her back. We've been married,
0: uh,
1: just kidding, 27 years. So, <laughs> I can do that because she's not here. And this is not, this is not on tape, is it? So, anyway, but thank you for coming out. Um, Brandy and Ben Chapman, are they amazing leaders or not? Come on, somebody. I just have a bone to pick with you because you you told me to come this week, but I didn't know it was a one-year anniversary next week. And you have food? Is this a black thing or what? (laughs) Anyway, I get to talk today to you about, in a series at the movies, about Selma. And uh, how many got to see the movie Selma? Okay, if you haven't gone to see it, you need to get on, I think it's on DVD right now. But really, it's a great movie. And I believe every movie that we get to watch that's been created has a God or a gospel link to it. Now what I'm gonna discover, I'm gonna just unpack some of the things in Selma. It talks about Dr. Martin Luther King, his campaign to secure equal voting rights, um, and his epic march for Selma in Montgomery, Alabama. And it talks about him using a peaceful stance to bring freedom to a, a people. Now, we know in looking in the paper, it's a hot item today. Racism is a hot item. Uh, ethnic tension is a hot item right now, going back from Ferguson and all of those other things. We know there's a big thing going on. But in the greatest time to me in our lives, when the world seems lost on what to do with ethnic tension, I believe this is the church's greatest hour to bring it to pass. And it's written in the Bible about God. We are the peacemakers to bring the gospel to those who are at war. And uh, Martin Luther King used the gospel in so many ways. I'm going to unpack that this morning. You know what happened? When I looked at the movie, there's a couple quotes I really loved that really set me off on this. It said this, King said this, he got a little frustrated, was in jail. He says, you know, what happens when a man stands up and says enough is enough? And in front of his, another minister was in jail with him, Hosea Williams. He says, you know, we build a path as we can, rock by rock. Build a path as we can, rock by rock. What Dr. King started years ago was not supposed to end when he died. Where we are today is a nation. Somehow people have got to the point when he died the doors were blown open and it's over and everyone should accept me. No, it was a path that was getting started for us to finish from generation to generation. Because how many know that racism, and I got in trouble when I said this a few, uh, a few months ago, is not a skin problem, it's a sin problem. Because basically, if you look in Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, everything was perfect harmony. Adam and Eve fell, they sinned. And then you look, that's in chapter 3. Chapter 4, you hear about the first murder. Brother kills a brother. Hate came into the world then. Then Jesus comes back to restore what, the, uh, what has been broken, to put us in right alignment. So it has we learn hate when we walk away from God. Hate is not, you're not born with it. You're actually taught it. So it's not a subject, I know, you get, I got a subject wrong. I got to make sure... Then I don't step on anybody's toes, but the problem is we're all wrong without Christ. There is no fix to this unless Jesus is in the middle of it. And when I talk about today, I really want to talk about all ethnic groups, not just white and black, because I go around the world, I've been around the world. I have stayed time in uh, Okinawa, Japan, and I had the Okinawans who did not get along with the Japanese. Now, the Okinawans are from a Samoan descent and they love farmers. Japanese are not from there. They don't get along either. And then you threw the Americans in the middle of it, and it became a war between all three. See, so it's worldwide. Hate for one another because we're different. When I looked at the movie, there's three things that, that captured me. I wrote them down. First one is the people who were involved in the march from Selma to Montgomery had conviction, courage, excuse me, and courtesy conviction, courage, and courtesy. I want to give you a, uh, a snapshot of where I come from. I was grew up in New York City years ago. I'm only 28, so. Um, can you put, I have a picture of my mom and dad. There you go, isn't that nice? Yeah. Now my dad looks like Clark Gable, doesn't he? My dad is from, was from Alabama. My mother was from Alabama. My dad moved up from Alabama. He's light-skinned because his, his grandmother was raped by a slave owner. When we moved into, um, when they moved into New York, he had family that came up. Dad, my dad became our hero. Because in those days, when he went to go get a job, employment in New York City, you had on the application, you can put Caucasian or you can put black or Negro at that time. Well, he put Negro. He had family members who
0: put Caucasians so they would have a better life to them. That infuriated my dad. Because he was proud of who
1: he was. Now he came from some places in Alabama that was just horrendous. But the way he raised us, we had no idea. We grew up in an all-white neighborhood. Everybody was there. He was in my neighborhood, and you were allowed to spank me in those days. See, when we had problems with police officers because of authority, when I grew up, if we got picked up by a police officer, he would laugh because he would take us home. And we would beg him, please take us to jail. Because he knew when we got home it was gonna be worse. Now we can't do that anymore, we don't spank people. It's kids, we understand. New generation, you have been spanked. That's the problem. But. I can say that. When Dr. King died on April 4, 1968, I was 11 years old. Grew up in um, um, South Ozone Park, New York. Had friends, had no idea. Knew about um, him, learned. My mother taught me about him because we didn't have black history in school. Um, Doc, um, Mr. Lee was our English teacher. When the news came over, the. Or, over the auditorium, we got called in and said Dr. King was killed. You can send the children home. Mr. Lee walked with Dr. King. He brought us back into the classroom. He raced all the boards, and he spent six hours giving us the life of Dr. King, education-wise. So I grew up in high school. That's when I experienced busing in 1972. I went from one neighborhood to an all-white school. And I was on the track team. And I think it kind of helped me because if you missed your bus getting out of the neighborhood and you were trying to walk home and someone's sing out, you know, they'll go by and give, say you're number one. Or they'll call you the N-word. You would actually um, able to run. And I was fast. So I would run home. And I was good in track because those guys chased me down sometime. Never reacted to it. Now we responded much to it, because my dad said, racism, son, it's not, you're not born with it. They're taught it. The N-word, Now I know in, in some areas of our lives, young people use the N-word as a slang word. And if you're older than me, it offends a lot of older folks. My area, my mom just said, why well, would you just start calling each other? The word means ignorant. Why would you call each other ignorant? So, um, move on, short, make a short story so I can get onto the scripture. When I um, joined the Air Force in 1978, my first duty assignment was Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And that's when I was able to see the actual railroad tracks in the black side and the white side. Blew me away. Now, we're a military, so we were accepted to some stores, and some stores we weren't. Is it perfect today? No. I got, I got some places in Abilene, Texas, that I can't shop, I don't go shopping, because people were taught wrong. And really, it's a hard subject for people to talk about, especially in the church, because we have world views of people. We think this certain people, if you're Hispanic is this, the black, you're this. We have these preconceived notions that we grew up with versus everyone's equal. And it offends our soul because we, someone taught us something and then when we see it in the paper, which is this side, that side, and you're on Facebook and everyone, nah, you know, white, wh- white lives matter, um, black lives matter, police lives matter, and really, we can't say anything. I tell people in my church, don't say police lives matter. Don't say black lives You're going to offend some people because
0: Jesus says all lives matter. So what I'm telling you a history of me growing up is a history in the Bible
1: of racism. And I'm going to give you some scriptures where it happened in Jesus' days and with Paul, Apostle Paul, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Now, Paul he wrote this while he was in prison. Now, the reason why he was arrested in Acts 21, 28, he brought a non-Jew into the temple, which wasn't allowed. There was a Gentile. They weren't allowed in the temple. They had separation. They had their own bathrooms also, and their own water fountains also. See, so what we're doing about is a history of, um, of hate for one another. Verse 14, for himself is our peace who, made, who has made us both one, has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man, you want to circle that, in place of two, so making peace, and he that might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostilities, he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near, For through him. We both have access in one spirit to the Father. It's talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's more than just a sermon or just a a decision to follow Jesus. You'll see how Jesus was able to take those who were at war and bring them to one. That's the only way our nation will come back together is to go into one, and the one is Christ Jesus himself. And when we look at this, there's three things. You look at this. I call it the gospel. This is what the gospel does. First one, it is our peace. It makes peace, and it proclaims peace. First one is, it is our peace. Again, if you went to the temple, the Jews had privileges in the temple. The Gentiles had a wall. They weren't allowed into the temple. And they said, if you ever step over this line, you will be killed. You're subject to death. Wow, it's like if we had this theater right here, and we had those from a different ethnic group on the other side trying to get in. And we have, I saw, I met some door guards today. I said, are you the handle of the door? Yes, he's the one with the weapon. You cannot step into the privileged people. That was Christianity, Judaism, at its best in those days. Even after Jesus died, man could not get it that the gospel was for
0: everybody, not just for one select people, one superior race. So it says, he is our
1: peace. He's the peacemaker between us and God. Because it's great to have, peace of, to have the peace of God, and how many know it's fantastic to have peace with God? And the best way, really, guys, the best way we can do that is to produce peace between two warring parties is to bring them to the same Savior
0: who is for everybody. You can't bring them to a program. You can't have another law. Because all that does
1: is inform; it doesn't transform. The Savior is the only one that transforms life and transforms the essence of our heart, so we go from hate to love. Make sense? Y'all sure are quiet. I'm preaching better than when you're listening. I knew it was a hard subject for you because it's attacking your heart. Because we all have those. Oh, I thought I was over that, and you're saying, "Well, I'm, I'm good with it." Well, if you have kids, and your mom and dad come, and your children comes home and said, Mom, Dad, I'm ready to marry Henry. And Henry's black. The look on your face will tell you where you're at. This talks about the third hostility. Now, the cause of hatred was the Jews thought they were the only ones who received the gospel. And that was destroyed on the cross. God made everyone open to receive the gospel. Everyone. Everyone. It's tough to go to the nation we've been through with the terrorism because when you fly in the airports and you see someone with a hat on and from the Middle Eastern descent, the we kind of, are they going to do anything? Your blood rushes a little bit. Come on, somebody. And then you got to pray. Say, God, I just being prejudiced? Come on.
0: There's something in my soul that needs to be taken out. We all have to deal with it. So when he's talking about he's our peace,
1: the cause of hatred was they thought they were better than the others. Second one is makes peace in verses 15 and 16. You know, reconciliation, if you look at it, is both destructive and constructive act. It's a destructive act and a constructive act. When you look at verse 15 and 16, it says this. He abolished the law that he may create a new man. and He might reconcile those to God. So destroyed something to rebuild something, and to present something. That's what the the resurrection did. That's what Jesus Christ's death has done for us. Took the separation between us and God and brought it back. But he brought everyone together. If you look at the first one, abolished the law. There was over 600 ceremonial laws that they had to follow. 600. I can hardly deal with one. 600 in the temple. He abolished that. Now he kept the silver in the mor- the civil, civil, and the moral law.
0: But you notice today we're trying to create a new law for hate. A hate crime. Let's
1: start this. I have to have a law to teach me to inform me how to love Pastor Ben. You think laws work? They inform me that Pastor Ben might be offended with me. Oh, I'm informed. I'm well informed, but I'm not transformed. I have to love them because they say I have to go to jail if I don't. And we feel safe. Like the gun laws. I'm not, I'm not, I love guns. I shoot them, shot them all my life. But guns are immoral. They don't talk. They don't even think. The person holding it does.
0: So when it comes to ethnic tension, it's in our hearts. Only our hearts can be changed. After he abolished them, he took the church, he took the
1: people, and made them a new humanity. He made two into one, the new humanity. There's a human race, and there's the race that God wanted to create, a new humanity. As an example, if you take silver and you take lead and you melt them together, you get gold. That's one from the city of New York. They call it the melting pot because you put all of it together and you melt it and it becomes one entity. That's what he did with us. Hispanic, black, Asians, those who know Jesus, he took us and melted us together to become Christ's
0: children. A new humanity. Think about it. It's a rich that's impossible. No, it's in the Bible. All things are possible with God. Galatians 3.28 says this,
1: there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male or female for you're all one. Everyone's of all one in Christ Jesus. We're all one. Doesn't matter. That's why we can do organ transplants. Those are the vital organs. This doesn't mean anything,
0: except I stayed in the sun a little longer. There you go. Now you're laughing. Say, like, come on out of there. Then he did this he reconciled that new humanity,
1: humanity to God, to itself, and to God. We reconcile all this back to Him as we become one. All goes back to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? All goes back. You could save a lot of money
0: going to court if you just take someone to church. Think about it. I'm at the age. Really, I'm looking. I'm like, that's just you wasting your time unless you go to Jesus.
1: It's not going to work. And we think, oh, the senators will do it. The president will do it. He's not called to do it. I'm getting ahead of my message. Third one is proclaim peace. He preached peace. The word means peace, and that means reconciliation. Verses 17 and 18. You know, reconciliation is an event. It's just an event. But the access, it says, he gives access to the Father. It's a continual relationship. Now, when you get reconciled and you give your life to Jesus, it doesn't just stop. Like when um, Dr. King died, it didn't just stop. You keep going. It's a continual relationship that you build with one another in the world. And he talked about it. If we didn't get the essence of what he was trying to do, he raised up people who wanted to do it on a social realm versus on a biblical realm. And my people, and I I get in trouble for saying this, we become more, some of us, have become more want to be enabled versus empowered. And he was trying to empower us, not for us to be enabled. So when I tell young kids, how come you're not going to college? It's expected for you to go to college. Well, my parents said, I don't don't care what they said. You're going to college. It's expected. Well, they told me someone's going to hold me down. Who is there to hold you down except yourself? Stop thinking small and start walking tall. There's no barriers there. There's a path that's open, and we do it. As a church, we walk in relationship with him more and more, and we start walking in relationship with us more and more. That means Sunday becomes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We just don't see each other on Sunday. We go to a community group together. Is that a great commercial or not? And we don't all look the same in the group. We take it beyond that. But if you're not reconciling
0: your home, you can't be reconciling the church. And God will press you on it. I enjoy it
1: all the time. I always tell my church, I'm coming to your house, but don't stop. Please do not feed me green bean casserole. Okra and green bean casserole always shows up at a potluck. I'm like, look, I love
0: you, but I'm not eating that. <laughs> Access is a continuing
1: relationship. What he's saying, when we, we, we are the ones who proclaim peace to people. And when we're proclaiming peace to people, Jesus is working through us,
0: the people. It's not you. It's Christ in you. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore,
1: since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That should be someone to celebrate. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace which we stand. We rejoice and hope in the glory of God. See, again, when we proclaim peace because Jesus told us to go make disciples. We're proclaiming the good news. We're proclaiming the gospel. We're proclaiming Jesus, and he's working through us. Come to us is not fake. We are not false. We don't need a law. We have a savior. We have love. No one can love like a Christian. People all around the world are coming to Jesus because of our love, not because of our regulations. No one can love like us when Jesus is working through us fully to love other people regardless. And where does that take the church today? Two things we have to do. We got to learn to forgive, and the next thing that we got to do is sacrifice. The same thing Jesus brought, forgiveness and sacrifice to set other people free. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and through 20 says this, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Here's the key. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Here's the thing. God already knew there will be ethnic tension. That's why he told his disciples in John chapter 17, if you guys can get along and be one, everyone will be one to you. He knew that. But he gave us the the message, the ministry of reconciliation. He entrusted us with the message. Now, I love the NAACP, I love the AFICIO, but then that call to reconcile the world. They're peacekeepers, not peacemakers. The only peacemakers is God's church. They do great work, but it's it's only temporary in nature. It's all about education. And like a law, you will break it. It will inform me, but it will not transform my heart like the Savior does. It's about transformation. And God is into redeeming, not reforming. A redeemed nation will reform, but he's in redeeming people. But you have to learn to forgive. We cannot count things against people. When I got called the N-word, I have to let it go. Have to let it go. I started preaching about unity in an African-American church. I was told not to come back. And I had to let it go. I have a light-skinned wife. That's crazy, because if you know the story about dark-skinned and white and light-skinned African-Americans, oh boy, I get looked at like, what are you doing with her? She's a red bone, they call it. And then I got my half back, brothers when I'm in the store chasing her around. So get away from her. They
0: don't know who she is. But the only ministry God has given to us as a church, that's what makes it exciting.
1: Just more than three songs and showing up, it's about going and our relationships here and bring them in our neighborhoods there and reaching out to people. Reconciles here the separation and broken created by what? Sin. And restore the communion between God and people. Sin broke us up. Jesus destroyed sin. Now we have communion with him so we can have communion with people. So you're looking at a social realm. It doesn't work. It's not going to work unless the church steps up. It's not going to work. It'll be temporary in nature. That's why we have peacekeepers all around the world. They can't do anything until the church gets there to make
0: permanent peace. Who's the permanent peace? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know. Second one, sacrifice. See back in the 50s and 60s, the church
1: felt they were silent. They felt this was a social issue. They were afraid to preach about it because someone, the high tide might take it out. I'm from New York. I remember when the Italians came into New York and they didn't want them to come to church. And the Vietnamese came to New York, they didn't want them to be in business. And African-Americans got, didn't get along with the Vietnamese because they bought up all the stores. But I forgot, we're the ones that rioted and tore up the stores, so everyone left. So they came in and bought the stores. Makes sense? We destroy ourselves without Christ. And the church decided it's a social issue. Dr. King was in the Birmingham jail. He wrote this letter, but he wrote a quote. Put that quote up. It talks about sacrifice. In today's church If today's church does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, listen to this. It will lose its authenticity, forfeit the loyalty of millions, and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century.
0: That was a prophetic word back in the 60s. And we've been fighting back ever since
1: because a moment in time came when we should have been involved and we didn't.
0: And God says, now today, it's back. What are you gonna do? Well, we gotta go. Young people, you gotta go. Older folks, you gotta go. We have to learn to build relationships, authentic relationships here and then out in the community. And that is attractional to other people. And if you're not moved by that, then you're not really born again.
1: Because it should break your heart to see humanity split and fighting and carrying on. And you live in the greatest city in the nation to do that.
0: Because I looked up, the Hispanic culture outweighs a lot of people here. What are you going to do? Versus build, we can't build a wall. We're not called to build walls. We're called to build bridges.
1: And I talk about sacrifice, guess what? Our preferences have died at the cross. We have no preference. I have no preference. I like all type of music. Because I was born to reconcile.
0: So I love Steely Dan. Some of you guys, who the heck is that? I listen to Kiss. Oh, I got someone with that. Listen to everybody. I find beauty in everything. Worship team. We have no more preferences. Look around you. Look how fantastic this is, there's all different cultures, all different ethnic groups. Look around you. This was God's design for the church. I have a, um, there's a network
1: I deal with called the multicultural, the multi-ethnic church network. And I'm like, why are we segregating that to be, to call something we're all supposed to be? Because God knew it again. And his most famous words in Ephesians 3. He said, the great mystery. There's a mystery of the church because Ephesians is an epistle to the church. And you can just read it alone and it tells us exactly what the church is supposed to be and who it was spo- what it was supposed to do. And he gets down in chapter 3. The first one in the mystery was Christ in us, the hope of glory. How is it going to change in Corinthians? It says Christ in us, the only hope for the world. See, God has a mission. It's called the church. But he says something in 310. He says that so Ephesians 310. So that through the church, through the church, this is what he wrote. The manifold wisdom of God might be known, now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The word manifold wisdom, the word manifold means multicolored church. That is the hidden mystery that the world needs. That is the hidden mystery that the world thrives on. That is the hidden mystery that we all sit in. That's the mission that we have. To show the glory of God here on earth in the midst of laws, in the midst of hate. We bring love and we bring the Savior and we bring the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That was the mystery that's being revealed right now. Will you take the mission? When you take the mission, think it's just one day song and I feel good and I shake my hand and I love Jesus. No, the mission is farther than that. It's to bring the world back where it, was, where it needs to be, back to be. Bring the world back to where it needs to be. Sin destroyed it. Grace is putting it back together. And we are the people of grace. We are the people of love. We are the people of mercy and forgiveness. That's who we are. We don't have to look in the newspaper. We just look at ourselves where everyone's saying, where's the Calvary? We are the Calvary. And the three words that marks me today until I lay my life down, that when King died and he wanted to restore and everyone the people that walk with him, where the church needs to pick up the mantle. those three words, conviction, courage, and courtesy. You gotta have the conviction that God has for his people. The love that God has for all people. If you have chambers in your heart that has never succumbed to this, you need to surrender that to God. Because before the church can be the church, we need to clean our hearts up. We got to admit, yeah, I think I have a problem with my Hispanic brother. I have a problem with my Asian brother. I have a problem with my white brother. I have a problem with my black. You have a problem, you need to surrender and repent to God. Because it's been open for all people. And you have to get rid of your worldview, that was transformed too. You have to have the mind of Christ. Whatever your mom and dad taught you, if it isn't lined up with the Bible, you can't carry it to the next place. Amen. Just close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I thank you today. Thank you for your word, God, that our theology integrates into life. It's not the church and then the state. It's the church in the middle, in the center of society. And Father, I pray today for those who might have angst against their brother. They will experience forgiveness like you forgave them. Let them know you they have been forgiven much. Let them forgive much. Father, well, I pray for everyone's here. They were here with their hearts, not with their heads. Every age group, God. Whatever they were taught, let us go with a new sense that I am the one you have chosen to transform a society. To transform my neighborhood. To transform my workplace, one person at a time. Help us, God, not to walk in impartiality, but to walk fully in you and to love people as you love us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.